and welcome to It's Your Favourite Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I recruit you to help me with my boyfriend's musical education. I am the boyfriend. And I'm Drew. Today we may be peaking with the best film ever because we have Ian from the Best Film Ever Podcast. Hey, hello everybody. How are we doing today? Great. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's as we record this, I'm going like, to lift the veil here. It is Friday, Friday evening. The sun is shining. I've got a cold beverage or two by my side and I'm here to talk musicals. Life is pretty good. It is. We're stuck inside. We could be out. It's slightly overcast here. So, you know, we've not got the sun. I think that peaked for us when I was on my lunchtime duty monitoring my uh, crazy year sevens. But, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> opposite end of the spectrum because i also teach and was quite, just quite happily just watching the world go by me as i was finishing my six formers for the day uh i just realized by the time this comes out there's a good chance people can actually like go back to the pub inside yeah yeah because this is it this is due to we're, we're recording in uh early may and <laughs> people will be allowed to go inside this is like both both um, a musical review thing and a historical document of of like the last days of lockdown three, hopefully the last one. I know. It's always really exciting when we do things like this. It's like, hello to the future from the past. And if you're listening yeah. a year from now, hello, future people. It's always so exciting <laughs> when you think about the weird, you know, different timelines. We're getting at Avengers Endgame levels of, you know, different realities right now. Oh, geez. I, I, yeah, brain, brain broken. I don't know. The, the, the MCU breaking my head lately. So, yeah. Oh, I know. So we are here to talk about your favorite musical. And and you had a bit of difficulty. You, you were oh. torn between two different shows. If I'm being honest, I was torn between like four different shows. I just told you two. <laughs> it's a trend really on this was. show. For years, I would have gone with one, uh, 100% with, 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 I would have gone with Spam a lot because I'm a, I was I was a bit of a lad. Maybe I didn't get a, uh, appreciate my feelings until um, later in life. We could have talked about spam a lot. <laughs> yeah, I could have talked about spam a lot. I know, I know. Uh, I and then I, I, I love spam a lot. I love Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail, and I think it does just enough to make it distinctly different while celebrating what that was. Look at me; I'm already starting to do that episode. But uh, <laughs> I just, oh, I just couldn't pass up a chance to talk about uh, Chicago. And Chicago is, you know, such a great, I've only seen the film version, but it's such a great musical. And it's one that, you know, I loved watching. I've listened to the soundtrack so much since Drew introduced it to me back in September, maybe. I can't remember how long ago it was now. But yeah, Chicago, great choice. Something we're going to have a really positive conversation about. Yeah. Excellent. When were you first introduced to Chicago? How did you find it? I can actually, I recall the exact moment I was around a friend's place. Ironically enough, we were getting ready and we were talking about how an amateur dramatic group we were part of was putting on Spamalot in the near future. And we'd gone on talking about that forever. And I think his missus was just about done with us just fanboying over Monty Python and Spamalot and the soundtrack and all that stuff for hours and requested we do anything but and so he suggested we go watch Monty Python on the Holy Grail. She went, no. <laughs> and so instead, the decision was made to watch Chicago. And I was very ambivalent towards it going, oh, it's just it's just dancing, isn't it? I don't know if I really want to sit here and listen to and watch just dancing, singing. Gay. I don't know what this is. I'd heard the Oscar buzz and it never really got me. And I watched it. And then like two hours later when it ended, I went, I've actually just sat through something significant. I think yeah. uh, a, a really well, 
it's just well done on 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 every level as as a film and there were certain parts that just um spoke out it was just incredible balance it, it, at first it appears to be just about maybe a couple of characters but the more you sort of tease it out uh it's it's tremendously well crafted yeah and that's something i know that you're very passionate about is on your podcast where you review the best films ever you talk at length about you are a storytelling person and i think chicago is you know you might look at it from the surface of it is just spectacle, but there is some good storytelling content like beneath the surface that I think is really something for you to get sucked into. Yeah, there's a lot of substance to this film. It actually holds our rank currently as our best film ever to this point. It's number one on the, on the rating sheet. Oh, that's and, so cool. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of... Uh, we, we, we've got a mixture of, of, of men and women on the pod, and, and but the boys aren't like, hey we're, hey, we're boys and we like cars and things to blow up. I think we're a little bit, like we, we do appreciate that, but I think we also appreciate this side of it uh, as well. And as, as a film as a medium for Chicago might be the best way to experience Chicago, he said, um, which almost seems like blasphemy, I imagine, on, on, on a, what's your favorite musical sort of podcast. But... Um, it's still very good. It can be very, very good in, in, in live, uh, but film just provides it with advantages that the stage does not. So you've actually had the opportunity to see it in performance as well, because I've only seen the Rob Marshall film. I, I've not seen it live yet. It's one yeah. that's on my, to, you know, definitely on my musical theatre bucket list. Yeah, but I was lucky enough to see like a, a touring version of it. I think it was out Norwich way here in the UK. And uh, we went and saw that as a as a big group. And uh, oh, I'm going to use the word slightly underwhelmed by that specific production, maybe because I hadn't tempered my expectations into realizing what the limitations of stage versus the screen would be. That's so interesting because I I've seen it live as well. I went I worked in America for a while and we went to see a lot of Broadway shows and Chicago was one of the ones that I saw. And I felt the same way. I was kind yeah. of underwhelmed by it, but which, you know, blasphemy from the podcast musical host, but <laughs> I think it was the same reason I had watched the movie and loved the film and then expected the stage show to be exactly the same and then couldn't like accept changes, I think yeah. was my issue. And there are some subtle things like, uh, for instance, in, 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 in the film version, of course, You've got Renee Zellweger as, as, as Roxy and you've got Catherine Zeta-Jones as Velma mm -hmm. and you have a blonde and a brunette, which just for storytelling purposes is really, really easy. One's a little bit shorter, one's a little taller. The version I saw, the two women were almost, you know, if you're in the cheap sheets, seats, I think there was, I think there was an age difference between the two actresses, but really from, from a distance, they kind of were interchangeable. And as a result, uh, that sort of duality, that binary opposition that kind of makes it really easy to sort of place yourself within such a narrative. Uh, was was gone and you just kind of went oh and it, it's it's amazing like a little cosmetic thing like that and what it sort of achieves and there's also other elements and i guess it's up to each director obviously because the first thing i saw was the film i'm very much in line with rob marshall's vision of chicago uh and therefore if people go a little bit in different directions creatively i kind of go oh not my chicago get a little fandomy on that one but uh <laughs> yeah my Chicago is is the Rob Marshall uh, version of it, where it's played really incredibly straight, I think, yeah. as opposed to some people who try to make Chicago a little self-aware, a little uh, a little kitschy at times. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I think the casting is spot on. Like you say, you've got two really strong casting decisions there in Renee Zellweger and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Obviously, Oscar buzz for, for both of them. And yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, you know, from my perspective, I was, I, I've directed shows. You have to make students stand out you know when you do that I, I know that from my perspective of a, an examiner as well I, I've had a, you know uh, students I just can't tell the difference between sometimes you know when I go to another school and I watch it and like these three girls all look the same on stage or these three boys all look the same on stage and it really does impact you know your ability to follow a plot and actually kind of suck yourself in with with films with musicals we want suspension of disbelief we should you know, unless we're breaking the fourth wall, we should believe we're we're part of this world. That's, you know, for me, something that's important with film and theatre. And if you're constantly looking at and thinking, okay, who am I looking at now? Is this is this Roxy or is this is this Velma? It takes you out of your enjoyment because there's there's a level of disconnect. And I don't think the film has. I think the film sucks you into this world beautifully. Yeah, I agree. I once uh, had the, I had a friend who who directed uh, amateur dramatics for quite a long time. But he told me he said if I can get the casting right, he said that's half my job done. Yes. really and honestly, um, because if I get the people right, then you know I I, I can already the, the audience has already has that level of engagement. Then all I have to do is really just once it's set, just sort of fine tune and find where the magic is. As opposed to if you get it wrong, there's a lot of work that sort of uh, you have to do to compensate the mistakes in casting um and this one i mean i mean when richard gears like your fifth best thing arguably in your film <laughs> like you've done something right because the yeah. guy richard gear does a fine job and he was absolutely snubbed on every sort of you know awards list he wasn't nominated for best pay, uh, for, for, for best actor um whereas everybody's around him kind of got some some major buzz and you know i think queen latifah gets nominated i think john c Riley gets nominated uh, yeah, Christine Baranski's great in it. I mean, like, it, it, they just got it so spot on. And um, it, it's, 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 it's a delight to watch. It really, really is. So is that the biggest disconnect for you is when you went to see it live? It was the casting or was there anything else about the mm. experience? I'm very, I mean, I said my, my version's Rob Marshall's version and that means my Amos is John C. Riley. Yeah. And John C. Riley. um, was um he wasn't self-aware and i know that the script does call for it to be a little bit self-aware in places but he was really the guy who's playing amos when i saw it was really into getting his laughs and it almost strayed into pantomime in a, in a couple of places uh and i that, that sort of hit a wall for me as far as that went also i've seen versions where um, Velma gets played a little bit more sarcastic and a little less mean. And I think Velma's, I think Velma has to be mean. I mean, this is to be someone who you kind of believe would kill both her sister and her <laughs> husband in cold blood. You mm -hmm. don't really want to wah, wah, wah kind of, um, you know, yoke, yoke, yoke kind of funny sort of element to it. I don't think she's dry, sarcastic, and witty. I think she's cold and clinging to, to, to fame, even within this prison context. So um, a couple of creative decisions there, which might have been led by, you know, casting choices again. But uh, I don't I don't like Amos getting the biggest laugh. I don't. Amos should get the biggest should get the biggest sigh, but he yeah. shouldn't get the biggest laugh. Yeah. Yeah, he's not funny. Nor should he milk for it. Yeah, it's not, not like that bit where you like hold your hand out and sort of like ask for him. It shouldn't be that. 
he's you're supposed to laugh at him, but he needs to not be aware of it that 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 that's occurring. Mm-hmm. And Chicago's a strange one because it does sort of in moments address an audience, whether you can argue it's the audience is is is, is a different story. But as it addresses an audience, he still needs to be separate from kind of the reaction. Yeah. Especially, you know, as we, it's one of the big musical numbers. I mean, in this, in this pretend cabaret show that's going on in Roxy's mind, um, he's got to believe that really nobody loves him, where if it's, where, if, you know, the song's done correctly, it can steal the show. But um, it's, he needs to be aware of it despite that. He's still, the loser, not the lovable loser. He's just the loser in the show. <laughs> yes. And the fact that he's loved needs to be lost on him. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with, with that. And so when I saw it, it was, it was, it was more of those sort of tropes where I, you know, I get it. You're an actor and you're on stage and you're touring. And it's exciting. And you want a big round of applause. If you're lucky enough to get a curtain call, that's where you get that. Yeah. You don't need to do it. Uh, when, when you're on stage in character, when you're on stage and you're in character. And I think it got a little bit too blended between, um, that meta sort of side that Chicago can go down. It's funny that you mentioned the um, the musical in Roxy's mind because that's a that's a Rob Marshall inclusion. That's not in the stage show. In so much as <laughs> he made it really obvious, he does make it really obvious. But I mean, how else does it work when you get like the the guy behind the band says, that "Next up is you know Miss Velma Kelly," or "Next up is um, Mama Matron Mama Morton," and she comes on and sings this over the top song. Or, or yeah. Billy, all I care about is love. You know, it, well, it's, so it's the stage so... show is staged as if it's in a courtroom. Yeah. And, or at least the one, the more recent ones are, you have the sort of jury box as a layout and everybody comes on and off. So when they're introduced, it's as if they're being brought into court. Mm. Absolutely. Which is great, but that wouldn't have worked in the film. No, no, absolutely. Who was it that was originally attached? Because Rob Marshall didn't didn't start with that. I remember you, you told me on this episode, again, a long time since we covered Chicago, so you can go back and listen to our episode for the, the precise details, but Rob Marshall didn't come in, and I want to say it was Chris Columbus. No, no, this is... So Rob Marshall was asked to do Rent. That's it. That's it. And he showed up at Miramax and was like, let's talk about Chicago, and they right. pitched it so well that they dropped Rent. Yeah, And because it was in his mind, it was... This is how we explain it is in her mind. And that, for me, is one of the things I loved most about this world, that she's turned her own life into a musical Mm because she's so obsessed with it. It's very crazy ex-girlfriend. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and watch this space for some crazy ex-girlfriend news. So this isn't a, a musical that you're, you have, you know, necessarily nostalgic memories. This is obviously after the hype of the film. So that was around the 2002 Oscars, 2000 and... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good. Yeah, I, 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 don't, yes. I don't think I hit this film until 2015. So that's, it resonated with you, you know, very yeah. much post the event. And you've seen it live. It kind of, it, you know, your, your, your podcast, uh, your guests, everyone who, who's a part of the best film ever all felt the same way. This is one that ranks with them as the top top tier of your, you know, the best films ever, but musical. So it's not like you're looking at this from, I was a fan when it came out. I was a fan 10 years later. It, it's one that, you know, you watched, resonated with you and just stuck with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to say, I happen to bring up our rankings. I think the lowest person we had gave it an eight. I mean, eight, and that was, that was, that was our, our, our low person on the totem pole and eight out of That's 10. So bad. it's, uh, it's, it's, well, it's just incredibly well done as a film. 
uh, I didn't give it a 10. Uh, so one of the other people on the pod gave it a 10, but, but, but I was still ridiculously high on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, the one thing that it is, I mean, and this is the case of most musicals, but Chicago, may, maybe especially, it's really light on dialogue. Mm-hmm. At, at least the stage show, I mean, the film does try to pad a little bit more in, but 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 the stage show is very light on dialogue, like especially in that opening, while, while introducing each of the major characters, which is basically just a you know an on stage review kind of thing. Um, there might be a couple sentences in between certain elements, and then next song, please. Yeah, definitely. And I think that really does work with the film. You know, you get a little bit more context, but it's enough to give you to, to make you aware of what's going on, and, and it, it's just so well made. So, what is it specifically? What is it about Chicago that makes this show special for you? What is it that kind of stuck with you? It was such an it was such a hidden hidden gem in the sense because uh, you know, this idea of these two women who it's 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 not the violence, it's not the murder. Um, the music, I mean, is, I mean, it's a musical. So if we talk about, you know, anybody on it is going to go, oh, I love the music. And I do, I love, <laughs> I love the music. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a variety of characters who each sing in almost a different, uh, style with the exception yeah. of maybe Roxy and Velma aping each other. I mean, you know, mama sings differently from Billy who sings different from, uh, oh, what's Christine Baranski's character's name. Jeez. Uh, um, something sunshine, Miss Sunshine. Well, yeah, Miss Sunshine. I was a little Miss Sunshine. Miss Sunshine, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, from 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 Amos, and then um, and you get these individual power. Every musical has its numbers, whatever. But I mean, Cell Block Tango is is absolutely an, an iconic banger. If it comes at you, I think it's the second song of of, of the entire show. It's and very it's, early on, yeah. It's very early on. Oh, I guess sorry. It's no, actually, it's fourth. But anyway, yeah. after the yeah, all that jazz, funny honey. When you're good to mama, someone. Mm-hmm. Funny honey is one um, of those ones that I always forget exists. Yeah. Oh, funny honey is so good, and it it it, it really sets the table. And so like, each one of these things has its own flavor and um timber i guess which is different from the one that precedes it and therefore this this range of performers you're kind of looking going when does it stop and you (laughs) you think you've got all these sort of big singers and you purposely sort of hide amos in funny honey and you go okay he's just gonna speak and he's gonna be the ex-husband and he's very light in act one he's very very light in act one and especially once we sort of pivot to billy and billy gets a lot of uh, a few numbers in a row and he's clearly the star and then all of a sudden you sort of sucker punch the audience with cellophane in in act two when everybody, including the audience, so both the people, the characters on the stage and the audience has been trained to overlook Amos. So you can have this moment, if done correctly, in cellophane, uh, which then, I mean, towards the end, I mean, Amos really gets a lot in, in, in act two and you're rooting for him in traditional musical logic might suggest it's just going to work out for him. Yeah. And, and, and you raise your expectations and your hopes that the genuine good hearted nature of him is going to win out because that's what happens in musicals. Good win out, wins out over evil. And if we have the, you know, if the murderers got away, well, then it was because of love and they take that away. And it's this cynical, <laughs> heartbreaking realization and they win and we (laughs) and we cheer them for it and we shouldn't if we thought about it we're terrible people for plotting at the end but she gets what she wants as does velma everybody else gets hurt and yet we leave going good for you 
And <laughs> I think that manipulation of the audience throughout is where the magic of Chicago is. Yeah. I, I can't fault you for that. I think you're spot on with the way you talk about, you know, John C. Riley and cellophane, you know, because it is like you say, we're supposed to almost root for him. He supported her like, you know, through all this fake pregnancy scandal. He's so involved in it and you should just be rooted, but you know it's not going to end out that way. And you, you know, he should be this laughing stock. He's like Milhouse's dad in The Simpsons. You shouldn't yeah. be like, you know, he is just a loser and you should be laughing at him. He's not getting a happy ending. And it kind of, you know, you, you're, you're pre, you know, Spose. predisposed with musicals to think, well, it's a musical, this medium is yeah. happy. And it, you know, Chicago is dark. Yeah, some point yeah. we're going to watch Carrie the musical, and then we're, oh. we're then we can talk about happy endings. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have a friend who's trying to put that one on actually. So oh, really? I, I'm, I'm oh, completely I unfamiliar with it. But stage that. I would love to stage that so much, just specifically for like effects. This, yeah, I, that's the thing. I, I just have awareness of the film. I've never even seen the film or read the book. Me either, but. I'm, I'm I'm aware of that scene, mm -hmm. and I am very curious to see how that scene ends up um, being staged on a on a, on a non professional scale. It's really quite. quite I've seen it a few times. I've seen a few Amdram versions of Carrie, and they've all been good, like really okay. good. So the thing is with Carrie, it's almost like so you've just covered Empire Strikes Back at the time of recording, but again, like. That's right. And, and, you know, I listened to your Howl's Moving Castle episode and you talk about the sixth sense in passing and you give a spoiler alert and you, you, you blur out the spoiler, but Carrie's one of those. I've never seen it, but I think okay. you know that moment, the same way you do with the sixth sense, the same way you do with yeah. Star Wars because of pop culture that you can't not be aware of that moment. Well, you love The Simpsons, right? Yeah. So, of course, you know all those things. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched The Godfather after many years of being told, oh, you should see it, you should see it. And I was surprised how many of those key moments I'd seen riffed on in other uh, pop culture media, yeah. uh, whether it was, you know, um, other TV shows or films referencing it or just things that make their way into, into sort of conversation. Yeah. And so uh, I appreciate it. Oh, this is where you got all, all of that from. Um, it, it, it does, it carries one of those things. Can you really actually experience it for the first time organically? I don't, I don't think you can just like, you know, no one's going to make it through empire strikes back and not know that relationship already No. or get to carry and not, I think, you know, very few would be completely unaware of what's going to happen there yeah. because we've, we've seen it referenced a million times over. Yeah. And it's part of the joy of this show is that, you know, as a big family guy fan, I think the best song was The Wiz, where I turned to you, I was like, I recognize this song because <laughs> they parody it, but it is, there's such a joy in it, you know, like when you finally get that reference, like I am, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I am Captain America in the Winter Soldier. I'm slightly <laughs> ticking off this list and I can say I get that reference. So you obviously <laughs> love Amos's character. So yes. at the end of all of our episodes, we have three questions. Who you would want to play if you got cast in this musical, what your best song is and what your skip it song is. So if it came on on your Spotify, would you what song would you skip from this musical? But okay. let's start with who you would want to play. I've been lucky enough that I have done Chicago. Cool. And I got to play Amos Hart. So um, <laughs> and that was that was one of those times where you show up and it was a new group. I'd never done anything with them before. They didn't know me. My reputation didn't precede me, any of that stuff. And I walked in and I had my slip and it says, who would you like to play? I said, Amos. They said, are you willing to play anybody else? And I did that thing where I went, 
no. (laughs) (laughs) And I called my shot and I was lucky enough to get it. And they were even without Billy for quite a while. And so some, you know, they just couldn't find the right person. They said, "Really sure?" Like, nope. Uh, Billy, Billy's an, a, a fine part, but I'm here to play Amos Hardy. Is the only part that uh, I am here to do. You know, I've never heard anybody say his name as Amos Hart before, and you've just suddenly made me realize that Roxy Hart is not her name. No, yeah, it's his surname. <laughs> so why does she use it as her stage name after they're not together anymore? It's a romantic it's, name. It's a great name, right? It's the best stage yeah. name ever. What a great pinup name! But he took her name. You think? I and, think he took her name. <laughs> <laughs> and if you take the actually, she she said one more thing. She takes from him. She takes his name. Yeah, and the irony of the name Heart to suggest love, true love, and she doesn't know any of this the illusion of love the oh the pretense of love so yeah she's famous so and every everybody that knows the name heart is going to know her yeah yeah because the trial is the trial of roxy heart and that which would yeah. enable to be at that point so you can't give up that name that's part of your uh you know unique selling point if you will oh my god so uh, not, I guess my favorite song, of course, is Cellophane. I think Cellophane, uh, everything I just said, I think it's constructed so that you overlook uh, Amos. And that song even starts off, uh, if you do it the way the film does it, which is the way I, I had to go to the musical director and say, I would like to do it the way the film does. Yeah. Because in the stage show, at least as it was written, uh, the, the opening lines were, were sung rather than spoken. Um, and so I said, I'd like to do the spoken version of it because it still fools the audience into thinking there's not really a song coming or at least not a singer coming. It's just, you know, this guy's going to stumble his way through the song. And, uh, if, you know, and then, and then we'll get back to the plot and then, um, it builds, it's such a great crescendo. It's every, every verse and every chorus adds a layer of emotion or volume or, or range in a way that by the time you're done, you get this giant money note on a stage by yourself with just a spotlight and you're staring down the entire crowd. And then you instantly, if you do it right, I think you pull back into that Amos character because he's kind of had this inward fantasy of the man. I think he wants to be the rage that's contained within him for the whole show. He lets it out in this four minute essay, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> and then he has to instantly come back in because that's not who Amos Hart is. And so he comes back in and there's the whole, I hope I didn't waste too much of your time and just walks off stage and you don't get to stand there and take your applause because he doesn't <laughs> know he's just rocked it. And if done right, that's how you win the crowd. <laughs> um, that was my next question was, were you, you know, did you stay for your applause or did you just walk off like bumbling, had no idea what was going on? <laughs> Walked off, head down, like I really felt I had wasted their time. And you have to deliver that. I'm sorry, I hope it didn't take up too much of your time. Like you really think you've been the inconvenience. Uh, it would be so tempting uh, for people to lose themselves. It's a bit of a bugbear of mine. Yeah. When people lose their characterization the minute they start singing. I'm like, no, 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 you're not playing a singer. You are playing this part. They're not aware they're a singer. And then, you know, in this situation, the right move was, 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 to, was to walk off stage. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of uh where that goes so i think it was i saw that and when i have to it was the top of my bucket list i've got to do that one day and it was uh it was a lot of fun to do it was a lot of fun to do and uh, this really is a deeply personal musical not only have you seen it you you love it 
you've actually had that chance to to be in it to star in it and you had the experience almost of your dreams that you got yeah. to play a character that you resonated with you got to make you know creative decisions and you got to you know did you star in it after you'd seen the tour version yes so you obviously went in with that kind of I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to almost write this wrong and I'm going to play it the way he should have been played. Yeah. Yeah. In, in many ways. I mean, the director who did it was, 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 was fantastic. And was, and was open as was the musical director into me yeah. going, I've really got something I want to do here and uh, kind of let me do it. And then, you know, I've got my faults. I'm not a great mover, which is why Amos was also very appealing. Because <laughs> 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 when I auditioned, you don't need me to do any dance. And they went, you're Amos, you're not going to dance. And then sure enough, they decided, well, we'll get you to do some stuff in this number and this number um so thankfully they were able to hide my weaknesses and make it look as though i maybe could move a little yeah um which is great but it, it was this joy where it's preceded by me and my baby which is a very big busy number and then everybody empties the stage and like i said it's just it, it's a subversion of expectations that yeah. we've spent the first hour and 15 minutes building towards yeah and so uh it's like you're inside on the joke before yeah. it starts and the hard part and the thing i really wanted to do when i was finishing of the last couple of performances the last especially was just taking the moment and just have fun and enjoy it and not overthink it and just be, be present because i think as as uh, as performers we so often um despite wanting to put on a good show i don't think we stop and, and enjoy it while it's going on and yeah. uh, so i really wanted to have that moment it was a uh, it was yeah it was uh, I, I could, i'll be a little bit honest here it was a deeply personal one uh, my mom died actually on the uh penultimate day of the show i was in england and couldn't get out and uh so i had all sorts of other emotions going through my head and went i can either pull out of the show and i don't know what they'll do yeah um after doing three four four nights and I had two more to go um i can't get out on a flight until X, and then, uh, as a result of covid and the restrictions and all that sort of stuff um, we were kind of limited. And so I was in a very weird space where though I was very distant from my family lives in Canada, I was also felt very connected to my family despite that and things like that. So it was a, uh, it was, it was an emotional experience to say, to say, to say, say the least. Yeah. 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 And it's that, that perfect, I guess, escapism at the time, you know, you, you can't make the, the moves that you want to make, but you can escape into something that two and a half hours, you can have fun with something, you know, and offer that distraction. Yeah, 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 and it was uh, there was there was Georgia who's on the podcast was also in Chicago with me, and she knew, but no one else did. I didn't really tell anybody else that what was going on, uh, because it was their show and they got to go and have fun too, and yeah. that's what they deserve. They don't deserve to have their experience brought down. And then once you know the next day happened, I I, I was tasked with <laughs> with drafting the Facebook message to the to the world on behalf of the family um and lots of support and lots of love but i think i was it was good like what am i going to do as opposed to sitting in my empty house yeah. under covid regulations if i flew to canada it was still going to be 14 days of quarantine on the way there and then 14 on the way back and it was right around christmas time and it was in that weird like three-week window where we were between lockdowns yes and uh and, yeah and so it was great to go what are you doing? Well, I, I know where I'm going to be tomorrow night and, and whatnot. So it sort of became this, this thing. And mom was uh, aware of how much uh, I was wanting to do Chicago and she was telling, talking to people about it and all that sort of stuff. So um, that was, uh, that was a, a comfort, a comfort yeah. as, 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 as much as it can be in, uh, in, in those, those situations. It was, 
it was it was the right place to be at that time yeah and that's you know that's for me why media like film books uh musicals exist is they are there for these moments where we just need to escape yeah you know um Thank you for sharing that. that you know, I, I'm so sorry about your loss. And no, yeah, it, yeah it, it's still strange. I still haven't been home. <laughs> it's months and months later. I still haven't been home because we're still under. I mean, Canada is in emergency lockdown as of this is May seventh, yeah. uh, I think. It's still in lockdown. So uh, you know, it's been one of those things where uh, Christmas, all that sort of stuff. Um, it was good to have um, to have something positive in the mix midst of all that and for some yeah. people who would go i would have fallen apart i totally understand that and there's no uh whatever there too i just got very inward and very quiet which for me is a bit of an unusual thing so i remember the, the first day especially i just walked around kind of got, got got dressed for the show didn't really talk to anybody i uh, was very quiet in the wings went on stage which was great because then i was allowed to perform to someone else and not be me for for for, for a little while and then uh come off and there's and then so while my brain tried to adjust to this normal that was um who who saw this coming the whole the, the whole dynamic of yeah. your of, and all these pathways and you're thinking just just changed so and this is why we this is why we like art because art can be there to uh, accompany moments like this it can be there to um act as a distraction a comfort in, in in times like this or it can be a way to just channel your energy into anything productive as opposed to destructive and it was good to be part of a communal experience at that time yeah so this is a show that really just has so much different you know so many different levels to how much it means to you and now i'm yeah. going to ask you what your skip it song is <laughs> not totally fine uh i remember <laughs> i'll tell you this much when we were doing the show i skipped singing uh i can't do it alone which i was supposed to be a backing voice in because i didn't want to wreck my breathing for cellophane so mm -hmm. on stage i skipped i can't do it alone uh, no i don't do it alone i'm sorry me and my baby me and my baby which isn't in the film uh but it is in the stage show and so mm -hmm. i would skip that one each night uh because I was just trying to keep my, my, my breathing under under path for that. Uh, but if it was on the um, thing, I, it, oh, as much as it sounds, it's probably going to be nowadays. Nice. Fair enough. And, and I understand play? why. Which it doesn't get nowadays. Exactly. <laughs> okay. uh, it's the one at the end that then turns into the dance number. Oh, yeah. That's so forgettable. Yeah. I love that once it turns into, into a dance number then it's memorable and that's the yes. part you remember and like you know four bars of all that jazz mm -hmm. <laughs> at the end but yeah uh nowadays is uh is quite plain i'm sorry i think i cut off danny there i don't know no, i was gonna say like it's entirely forgettable um it's one of those songs that especially on your playlist where you might put it on and it's half a song and it should then go directly into another song and it just messes up if you have it out of sequence, if you're listening to something yeah. on shuffle. And that is one of the things I hate about like musical theatre soundtracks. Yeah, we always say that the, when we talk about our Skip It songs, it's like if we were in the car and we had everything on shuffle and this song came on, would you let it play or would you skip it? And I, th I think I agree. Nowadays is one of those ones that you'd be like, I can't listen to this whole dance break in the car, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Um, 
it's it, it, it's a piece of it's one of those things like that's a piece of music that's meant for they all are but that especially is meant for the medium of being on the stage and seeing the dancers and without that visual reinforcement it's just like listening to an accompanying track for you know it's like listening to a karaoke track where no one's singing mm-hmm. yeah it's it's yeah. frozen in the middle where you get do you want to build a snowman and you get like three minutes of just you know parents what, dying parents dying <laughs> but nothing sings exactly you're 100 right on that yeah. So I think you've done a fantastic job of selling it. So, you know, uh, if, if there's one parting thing you would say about Chicago for somebody who is listening to us that's never seen Chicago, what would that be just to sell and convince them? If they're listening to it, I'm assuming they're, they're, they're fans of musicals in general. So I can get rid of the whole, you know, macho machismo thing. Uh, I would say, this is me with my English teacher, film teacher kind of hat on here. I would say I'd really... If it's if you've never seen it, see, I'm trying to do it from like a fan's perspective here. Um, oh, I would just this is I've done a great job selling it until until the final wrap up. Um, <laughs> oh, um, if it's the film version, uh, just appreciate what the camera lens can do that a stage can't, which is why it was so hard after saying. Yeah. As previously said, I found it underwhelming. Now I'm going to go be in it and try and escape the trappings that you're automatically caught in. Because in in the film version, you know, um, Amos can both be Mr. Hart and the clown simultaneously because you can just change the lighting and perspective and edit in his second performance. Roxy can both be on the stage and being arrested uh, with the magic uh, of that. And so for the film version, it's enjoy the spectacle that film allows this this uh, musical to have that extra layer with um because i think um it's really one of the few times i would say the film version is better than the stage version uh full stop i'm usually kind of kind of a purist at heart yeah but that uh, heart but <laughs> Solid if you have seen it once and maybe you're going it was all right i guess what i would say is go back and pay attention to the structure yeah. because it's designed to manipulate you just as much as it is to manipulate the characters in the courthouse and realize how um both the oh this is where i'm embarrassed myself and say that i don't remember who did the is, is it evan losser no losser's um had a seat in business who did who did this? Oh, this is uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, oh, the dance guy. Um, Fossey. Fossey. I want to say Fozzie. I'm like, I know it's not Fozzie. Oh no, Fozzie's we need to up in Chicago now with Fozzie Bear doing something. Fozzie's a bear. There we go. A- Amos Fozzie Bear is Amos Hart. That feels like a fit. Except for he has to not try to be funny. That's not. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. This um, is the, this is Candor and Ebb with Bob Fosse. That's it. I got Candor and Ebb. I just forgot Fosse. Um, and. It would just be the idea of look at that and look how Rob Marshall takes that and, and, and marries it and produces something uh, really quite extraordinary. And uh, even if you're not into Richard Gere, you should be. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Renee Zellweger is great. Zeta Jones is Queen Latifah, which we haven't talked about. She's <laughs> Mama found, yeah. Matron in general. I mean, talk. I mean, there, there, there's the other big reveal is that you've got the, the, the two big, oh, my God, where these people come from songs. And one is Queen uh, is Mama Matron. Major Mama Morton in Act One, and then you've got um, Amos Hart in Act Two, and it's just a breadth yeah. of a show, which I think too many musicals now are lead man, lead woman, sidekick on each side, done. And I think this has something special to it in its 
construction. It's a very much an ensemble piece, 100%. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sold, go and listen to Best Film Ever Discuss Chicago. And I guarantee that by the end, you will be sold. Um, <laughs> obviously, you uh, run a podcast. Tell, tell everyone about Best Film Ever. Hey, so Best Film Ever is where I get together with my film teacher hat on with three of my friends, sometimes four, who are not film teachers. And so we sort of kick the ball around after watching a film that is uh, either critically acclaimed or just held in very high regard by the general populace. And we dare to tear them apart, go through them and say, does this, is this the best film ever? And right now that is Chicago, which uh, it wouldn't be my number one, but it's very high on my list. And so cumulatively, it is our number one. And uh, that was all the way back in episode 10. We are now, I think, on episode 67, I think, next week, 68. I'm looking at your so, Spotify now, and I've just got to scroll all the way up. Yeah, you, you've just hit 66 at the time of recording with uh, Empire Strikes Back. But, you, I mean, yes. you've covered some absolutely incredible films. You know, I, I could go on for hours talking about them, but I, you know, especially enjoyed recently <laughs> you dissecting two of, two of, you know, our favorite films, mine in um, Parasite and Drew's in Howl's Moving Castle. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, there we go. I was actually quite positive on one of those. <laughs> yes. And which I, I, I will say, I, what I, we do occasionally go, what I like about ours compared to some movie podcasts out there is we do do uh, do do um, <laughs> yeah. the level of discourse is higher than that. Uh, but uh, is is the breadth of what we do in the sense that we will look at Howl's Moving Castle, but we'll also do Pirates of the Caribbean. We'll do Coraline, and then we'll do uh, Tenet and Parasite. I mean, it's it's kind of across the the board. We did Paddington a few weeks ago for crying yeah. out loud. There really is something for everyone. People love that film. Oh, another one which which caught. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. <laughs> I haven't um, seen it. I get told all the time that oh. it's like a complete masterpiece. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very, like it's, it's a good, it's a nice film. It's a charming film. I think the Rotten Tomato score is very high. I think everybody gives it like a seven out of ten. But I think because so many people give it a seven out of ten, the Rotten Tomatoes goes to ninety four. People go, oh, it's nine point four to ten. I'm like, it's not really how that 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 metric works, actually, if I may. I um, read the other day that Paddington 2 is now top and because Citizen Kane has had like a 60-year-old bad review dug up and stuck on Citizen Kane. So Paddington 2 is now higher than Citizen Kane. I have yeah. those films. It's just like, uh, what was that film that came out? Uh, it was the Oscars, Mank. And Mank won two Oscars and every Citizen Kane fanboy was going great. So now Mank, which is about the writing of Citizen Kane, I believe, or the production of Citizen Kane. Now, Mank has twice as many Oscars as Citizen Kane. I think my response was, <laughs> yeah, but you're missing the point. Suicide Squad has as many Oscars as Citizen Kane. Get That's over great. it. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So, um, but no, I, I think we do. I, I think we have a fun dynamic. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we do okay. And we bat around. Uh, just don't assume that your favorite films are favorite films. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. And we have some fun, but we rip on every film um, equally, I think. It's the same spirit that goes into it. And uh, we come on out. And my favorite part is always, what are we doing next week? And that's always this is there's always another film to put in the in the uh, to put in the chamber and sit down to watch. And Sundays because that's the way we we uh, we watch and we record. It's my favorite day of the week. And you have a very active um, Twitter Twitter handle. Uh, you know, lots of great interaction with you know the whole universe. There, I know that you start your podcast each week talking about 
you know, different people's reactions to the films you've discussed and the films you're going to discuss. You've got, you know, a few regulars, a few favourites, you know, who uh, crop up quite regularly. Uh, what's your, your Twitter handle in case any of our listeners want to go and join in your conversation about the best film ever? Yeah, please do join the discourse over uh, at Twitter at Best Film Ever Pod. We also have an Instagram and a Facebook, but we're not, we don't nearly get the same amount of uh, conversation going. Twitter just seems to be the one that works for us because who doesn't like talking about movies? And it's not limited to the four or five people around the table. It's a bit of a global conversation, which is crazy. Yeah. So come join the fledgling fandom and uh, at Best Film Ever Pod on Twitter. Excellent. And thank you so much for coming on to our show. I know that we've wanted to kind of repay the favor since, you know, I won your um, movie quiz. And it's been great to have you on here to talk, um, talk to us about Chicago. So thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday evening after a long, you know, week at work to, to talk musicals with us. Listeners, that whole thing is a setup for what the kids call a humble brag. That's Danny. <laughs> his, I'm going to do this big thank you piece. No, but thank you so much. Uh, we definitely want to try and figure We haven't, it's funny. We started really strong with musicals and then uh, we've kind of sat on them. I know we have one coming up, but that one's kind of cemented in for, for, for a specific reason. But as soon as we have the reason to, we definitely want to have you guys on and talk a musical for sure. Excellent. We look forward to it. Definitely. Yep. Standing. I can talk about musicals. All day. So. <laughs> Literally, all you do anyway. Prepare for it to be a long episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ours all. We do. We do king sized apps, so we're okay. <laughs> we. I can't wait for that. You know, that will be the crossover to to rival the MCU. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. This is whoever was supposed to be over the hill in in Wandavision, who they didn't have time for in the end. It'll be like that, except for we'll have a payoff. He was Doctor Strange, right? He was supposed what, to be behind all the adverts. Yeah, Benedict comes yeah. back to like, apologize. It's, it's just come out for all these things. I'm like, and to be fair, because we did do a WandaVision watch along episode by episode. And it kept we kept coming back to, you know, who's over the hill? You made a promise. And they're going, oh, coronavirus, maybe it caused problems. And I'm going, no, when you edit that out, it's really quite simple not to include something. I do it every week when editing the podcast. <laughs> we, find, we find stuff we go, probably don't want to say that. And we cut it out. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, it's nice to know that the, the, the commercials were supposed to be going somewhere, but. I know, <laughs> I know. I still, you know, I still love those commercials, but. I just wish they had, I wish there was something more to it. But yes, all this conversation and more over on Best Film Ever, Spotify, uh, Apple, anywhere you can find good podcasts because the discourse is amazing. I feel like I have to put this in as, as just a parting thought, if I may. With Marvel aping every sort of film style imaginable from, uh, you know, they're doing their own sort of uh, take on, on a Kung Fu movie. They've done espionage films. They've done... Uh, sort of like the 80s buddy cop sort of thing. Uh, when are we finally going to have a Marvel musical? Surely they've got to be thinking that's a possibility at some point. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? Oh, that's not a bad shout. If there was ever one to do it, uh, <laughs> that might be it. What Technically, Captain America ah. is written by Alan Menken, who wrote all the Disney music. So Wait, what? Yeah, the Captain America theme song is oh, Alan Menken. Is it Alan Menken? Uh, I so love, I love that's me Alan Menken. <laughs> it's the yeah. yeah, Star Spangled Man with the Plan. Yep, that's an yeah. Alan oh. Menken song. Well, excellent then. Yeah. <laughs> I will only accept a Marvel musical if it's Alan Menken. Or Deadpool 3. Deadpool 3 will go full realms of musical, I think. It could. It really could. If there's anything that can break the fourth wall and do something that genre bending, it, it, it would be that. 
yeah, if, if, they, if that's how they want to do it, it's got to be Deadpool 3. There's no other way to, to realistically do it. But that would be Deadpool the musical, but it would be made up of songs from other musicals. Oh, it'd be a jukebox musical, yeah. 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Where's Selena? We'll get her back on stage. <laughs> we can pray. If you are listening, Kevin Feige, is that his name? Is it Kevin Feige? Is it Kevin Feige? I think it's Feige. If you are listening, Kevin Feige, we've got ideas for Deadpool 3, <laughs> the musical. Yeah, DM us. You know, we're, we're open to anything. We want to be part of the MCU. Who isn't <laughs> at this point, right? <laughs> exactly. And on that note, thank you so much for downloading and listening to us. As always, you can get involved on in the conversation our end at It's a Musical Pod on Twitter or Instagram. Mm-hmm. And you can get involved with Best Film Ever at Best Film Ever Pod on Twitter. So make sure you get involved in all those delightful conversations. And you can download us over on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, Google, Amazon Podcasts, via the Amazon Music app, Stitcher and Podbean. And Thank you so much for joining us this week. And thank you, Ian, for joining us this week. Hey, thank you. And it's been a delight. And we will catch you the next Musical Monday. <laughs>